Welcome back to the program. Look, already today, we have covered a year since the Taliban took over from Afghanistan. A journalist's job, a journalist's job is not to be the story. No journalist wants to be the story. They want to cover people. You get into this business to cover people who are the story, the powerless, the victims of power, the victims of abuse, governments that are corrupt, calling out. The, and sometimes you're covering sports. But you're telling the story of others. But this has happened a lot in the past, but more now. That journalists are being attacked. Now, we know about the movement of fake news and pushing back. Look, the media should be subjected to real, open, and fair criticism. There's no journalist and no organization that thinks otherwise. Get the facts right or be subjected to criticism. And being called out. It's the beauty of social media. But that's very different than being threatened. That's very different than having death threats. Than being abused. Being insulted. That's different than chauvinism, racism, and hatred. And that's happening. And it happens to all journalists, but it happens to women journalists more than men. It happens to women of color. And visible minorities more. And it's happening in Canada. And it has come to a head in a series of vicious attacks on journalists, including Saba Adizaz, who's the co-host and producer of the Toronto Star's This Matters podcast. Saba, of course, uh, used to work at uh, CBC. She's reported for the BBC in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and the UK. Uh, She's hosted radio, television, and, and all sorts of different things. She's done remarkable work around the world under very difficult circumstances. And she's now been the subject, along with others, and we'll get to the others, including a former colleague of mine, Rachel Gilmore, and Erica Eiffel at the Hill Times. But Saba has been targeted with vicious, vicious sexist abuse, especially on Canada Day, but going forward, and she joins us now. Hi, Saba. Hi, Evan. How are you doing? First of all, good. Uh, I'll just say this in solidarity with you and what many other journalists, especially female journalists, are going through. It's it's completely unacceptable. But give us a sense, and this is not new to you, and and you could tell our listeners a bit about your past with this uh, being targeted in in vicious ways. But what has happened in Canada? I mean, I think it's quite ironic uh, because, like you said, this is not new to me. I've been uh, subject to malicious and organized hate campaigns online, surveillance and uh, harassment and, and much worse at the hands of um, you know security establishments in the countries that I've reported in before. Um, and I actually had to come to Canada to feel safe because that is the global myth of Canada yeah. This is champion of human rights and a safe haven for exiles and, and dissident journalists. And uh, I find it ironic that, you know, my sense of safety and refuge in this country has severely been shaken since since last year uh, when what appears to be when I was hit with what appears to be a very systemic and organized um, hate campaign, uh, mostly centering on racialized journalists, women journalists. And it's aimed to humiliate us. It's aimed to terrify us and and silence us and move us out of these um, 
spaces where I think that our, our nuanced take on issues, our journalism is essential to presenting the whole picture of Canada. This is remarkable, Sawa, because, you know, this, your story when you were working as a, a journalist in Pakistan and you were reporting on a very famous story about a woman journalist who was allegedly abducted by the Pakistan army, and then you were threatened with death threats, acid attacks. The police did nothing to help you, and you came to Canada as essentially as an exile, as you say, because that shouldn't happen here. And now you're experiencing these horrible things. Can you give us a sense, and I don't want to re- go into this stuff because it, there's, I don't want to glorify it, but the stuff that you're getting, I want people to understand this is not mild stuff online, is it? I mean, if you call graphic rape threats, sexualization and, uh, death threats mild um, then probably that's what it is but I think the constant messaging I don't want to read them out here I think everybody knows on my social media and then they can see what the content content is but it centers around all of what I just mentioned I was also told that I needed to be uh, boogalooed the F out of Canada mostly the center around me just getting the hell out of the country and uh, quitting journalism and it all centers around they want to either silence us or retire us in some way. And these are just between the lines threats. Like these are people who are used to this culture of immunity, who understand how to operate between the lines. And they understand the system well enough that if we try to take this into law enforcement, we will end up being gaslighted because, the, you know, there's, there's a very different threshold um, here legally for what is considered a threat. But I can tell you that I have not felt safe or unthreatened ever since this has started, and it's been exhausting. It's been a year of this. It's been a year of this. And, and, and by the way, other uh, journalists, um, the Hill Times columnist and podcast host Erica Eiffel, um, who is a black woman who has been subjected to horrific uh, abuse, Rachel Gilmore, a f- uh, former colleague of mine now at Global News, um, uh, has also been subjected to it. Doesn't matter. Uh, for, it's all women, women of color. Like it's it's remarkable. What are the police doing? Like, what's the answer here? Um, and, and how has the response been? I think it's really interesting how uh, Rachel Gilmore, Erica, and I sort of unfortunately became case studies of how the system is built to, you know, further create a culture of impunity because the response has been very scattered and different. As you know, uh, women journalists across different jurisdictions have been impacted by this um, and different police departments have been handling it or rather not handling it differently as well. But it all comes down to the fact that nobody threats were taken seriously. They were told that this does not meet the legal criteria of threat. It seems that the police response has not caught up to this widespread anti-journalistic, polarized movement of hate that seems to have encompassed Canada. And as far as I am concerned, you know, I feel like the gaslighting happened in degrees based on the color of your skin or your immigration status or the accent that you have because my report wasn't even filed, and the email was actually sent to me uh, naming uh, Rachel and Erica. I filed another report, a death threat that I received late last year. Nothing came of it as well. And I was actively uh, facing barriers from, from filing this new report. Um, you know, already the interactions of racialized people with the police are uncomfortable. Um, there, is a, there is a trust gap. I was yeah. told to that this 
um, latest incident would be added to the previous file. Then I was ghosted for almost one week while I was dealing with severe anxiety with my PTSD being re-triggered and just not feeling like I was safe at all and I needed that protection. And then at the end of the week, I was told that, you know, they didn't have any updates and that I should now go back to a non-emergency number and refile right. um, this issue. Right. So basically to go through the whole brutal process. Of uh, Saba, hang in there. I got to take a break across our national network. Stay with me. I really want the questions... I want people to talk about this and what should we be doing about it? Hang in there. We'll be more. You're listening to the iHeartRadio Talk Network, and this is The Evan Solomon Show. The program, look, every day I do this talk radio show. I I do a power play at night at five. I do the CTV Question period on Sunday. And when you cover politics, you're subjected to a lot of criticism. I don't mind it. We get a lot of it. Now, you know, I'm Jewish, so I get a certain amount of anti-Semitic stuff, for sure. It, it, it literally pales in comparison to what my colleagues, like Saba Adizaz, a co-host and producer of the Toronto Star's This Matters podcast, and a longtime journalist um, with BBC, CBC, and other places, goes through and is going through or Rachel Gilmore, or Erica Eiffel, or many, many, many others. Women go through it more. Diverse women go it through more. If you have a different immigration status, as Saba was saying, you go through it more. And, and, it, and it's something's going on that is escalating here in Canada. And it's dangerous. And the stuff is disgusting. The stuff is horrifying to read. Rape, death threats, vicious racism. And no, look, these journalists are open and accepting. If you don't like their stuff, say it. They'll debate you. But they don't have to deal with death threats. And the, the weird thing is, the sad thing is, the police almost do nothing about, oh, this doesn't rise to the threshold. So they're unsafe at work. Now, I know the, the, the criticism of the media is part of what we talk about on this program a lot. But what has to happen to, to take this kind of... Danger. And that's what it is, a danger away. Now, Saba Adizaz is here, the co-host and the producer of the Toronto Star's This Matters podcast. And, and, and you've been through it when you were a reporter in Pakistan. You were subjected to horrible death threats and real ones. Um, and I say real because they, they follow through in them. And, and here, too, very real, very dangerous situations. I guess the question is, what needs to be done? Like, what would you like to see happen, Saba? First of all, Evan, I think we need to make a clear distinction between, you know, the regular criticism and even the trolling and the hate we get as journalists. I think we've all been in the field long enough to be very conditioned to that. We actually um, thrive on on feedback and engaging with, uh, with people who follow us to understand uh, stories better, to, to help disseminate that information better. What is happening right now is something I've experienced several times before, like I mentioned in other countries. This is a censorship and silencing campaign. It is organized. It is targeted. There is talk of lists and names. There is surveillance happening, which you might have seen even on real time. There are people who have even supported um, uh, journalists who have been attacked online uh, within minutes receive abusive and threatening letters of their own. So this is not just like some random people um, being unhappy with the journalism and wanting to engage or not. These are people aiming to push important, crucial voices out of the Canadian space. 
space. So first of all, Canada needs to look at a way to form an infrastructure to address its hate problem and not be into denial about this. And I think that kind of falls to, you know, it has to be a cross-organizational approach. I think the Star, um, Global News, and the Hill Times uh, which, you know, Erica, I and Rachel work for, took the lead on this uh, and taking, you know, collectively writing uh, a letter to security um, stakeholders and political stakeholders to address this problem. So I think it needs to be a cohesive approach. And one of the key points that missing in the Canadian puzzle is that I just don't understand why it's so hard, um, you know, after we have provided all the leads, all of the patterns, um, all of the clues, which shouldn't have been on us, like the burden of this work shouldn't have been on racialized journalists feeling the worst impact of this, to put this together, to give all the leads to the police, to make them understand that these are not isolated cases happening to one or two journalists. This is a targeted, organized campaign happening to to journalists who are told they're on lists And they're happening in a systematic manner. You can tell that there is a whole uh, campaign behind it. So I think that needs to be acknowledged that um, this is part of a harassment campaign and it needs to be dealt with collectively on that front. I guess the question is, how do you you react? I'm torn about this and and I'm I'm seeking your your work on this. uh, But because on one hand, um, and again, there's no when I mention what I've experienced, this is not an equivalency. I'm just giving you my own perspective as opposed to a false equivalency like, oh, I know what you're going through. I don't, but you, you know what I'm saying. When I've had death threats before, because I'm a political journalist, and I've had credible death threats. We've had to have security around my family when my kids were very young. It was very credible stuff. And we have security. And you know, I had to go through security protocols and all that. And it's happened many times in my life, such as that I don't complain about it. That's life. And you know, you have to talk to your partner about it and, and you got to be careful of your kids. But I'm always wary about doing that, A, because I don't want to, I don't want to be the story. B, I don't want to, I'm, I'm doing my job. I don't want to have to have security. You know what I mean? I don't want to, because I want to be free to do my job in a free country to do something that I think is really important, which is hold governments to account without fear or, or threats. How do you react to this? Like, given the, the current environment, you got to be prudent, but you also don't want to give in to this kind of pressure. See, I think every day that we continue to raise our voices and we continue to do our jobs while taking on all of this extra burden, trauma, grief, I think is us actually pushing back against it. And I think that we need to look at this from a different lens now. It's no longer... um, a situation where we're like, we don't want to be a part of the story. Unfortunately, journalism has become a part of the story. There have been, um, you know, legitimacy given to some of these narratives by the same journalistic platforms that has further exacerbated this problem. Even as we speak right now, there are certain uh, 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 far-right groups, there are certain groups that are openly talking about targeting journalists, about journalists, um, uh, journalism as a whole, being an industry that doesn't need to be there about, you know, I, I, Rachel and other journalists are being named in those um, broadcasts or, or in those posts as as open targets, as people who don't deserve to, to have that space to be able to do their job. So I don't think it's, you know, we, we can't say we are not a part of the story. We are, because what happened?
happens when you start pushing, um, you know, journalists uh, or certain voices out of the sphere. What happens in those vacuums? I've seen what happens in those vacuums because there are people who are actively self-censoring or they'll end up being affected by this because they'll see that they're not getting that solidarity from their colleagues or from the system uh, to feel protected. And, and they'll go silent. And then who will take over those spaces to inform the public, to uh, give people uh, their right uh, to an access to information? So I think we need to move beyond this, uh, you know, sort of like both sizing it or saying that we don't want to become the story because unfortunately we have. And these threats are not something, you know, a hypothetical scenario um, or we talk about, you know, or this happens in, in Pakistan or in certain area, uh, countries in the global south where, uh, you know, these threats are acted upon and people get hurt. I think we have examples from across the border. We have the Capital Gazette. We've seen what happened uh, on Jan 6. Um, these are actual um, real concerns about some, I mean, I, I just want to know, like, how, what do we need to say or do uh, to make Canadians understand that this is a serious problem and for law enforcement and for other um, institutions to act uh, to do something about it? I think everybody's just waiting for somebody to get hurt before yeah. we act with concrete action. I think somebody is going to get hurt really soon. Well, look, I, 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 we all remember 2015. I remember covering the Charlie Hebdo shooting in um in France and attacking journalists like that. Um, and it doesn't matter who the attackers are. Um, this is coming and it's coming to all sorts of journalists, including you and, and others. And um, you always have a platform here, Saba. And, and we, I think the first thing is we got to acknowledge it fairly. We got to listen to it. I think our listeners have to realize this is, you're not yelling, look, you can criticize, you can not like a report. That's very different than this kind of horrific, horrific threats. And we've got to call it out and make sure that a democracy demands fairness and discussion, not threats. And Saba, uh, Adizaz, co-host and the producer of the Toronto Stars, This Matters podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, take care. And, and, and you always have a, a platform here to, to raise this very crucial issue. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Evan. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, we got it. We got to deal with this. All right. Uh, we got lots coming up on the program. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Um, we will later talk about, get this, Amazon's dead grandma. What is that? Voice cloning. Is that happening? But coming up, the holiday politics. Wait till we get into the family politics of your holiday next. Next. 